Episode 2, The Aunt of SWAT. Sergio and Naya. Good morning. And we are here to talk about opportunities and threats that have uh, been observed and either taken advantage of or corrected against by real companies in the real world. And uh, Naya, I can see that you are ready to go with your notes and everything out. Um, would you be willing to give us a, a working definition of what you think opportunities and threats are. Sure. So an opportunity is when there is an opportunity. <laughs> um, we're on, we're, we're starting off. So it's when there is something that happens in the market um, and trends with products where a company can identify um, maybe like a time or some some way that they can move into the market and uh, just make it to the advantage of their company or their product. That's what my working definition is, room for improvement. Okay. And maybe like a, a threat would be something that comes into the market or trends that could uh, potentially lower uh, sales or um, customer retention for this company or product. You are... Probably about 60% of the way there That's on a than 0%. definition for it. Uh, the, the opportunities and threats, as we are talking about them, come out of the SWOT analysis. And SWOT is a, uh, a multi-factor analysis. What are opportunities and threats? And I'll open this up to, uh, to Matt, Bryce, and, uh, and Sergio as well. What are what are what is different about opportunities and threats from the other two parts of the uh, SWOT analysis? They're external. They are external. So uh, it is outside of whose control? Outside of the company's control, or or whoever is being evaluated on SWOT. Right. Um, and there are the other two conditions that go into the SWOT analysis. Which one is an opportunity? Favorable outcome. Favorable or positive? Yeah. And then threats are? Unfavorable, negative. Unfavorable or negative. So opportunities are things that are external to the company or whoever's being evaluated that are positive in nature that you can take advantage of. Mm -hmm. They may be in the market. They may be in the bigger economy. They may be with your customers, whatever it is. It's still up. It's positive and you can't control it. Basically what I said. Totally. Yep. <laughs> word for word. We should put that into a textbook. So uh, I'm going to ask uh, somebody else, <laughs> since, uh, since Naya fell on the sword first, I'm going to ask somebody else to, uh, to start with their story. Um, Matt, would you like to dive in and talk about uh, the, the example you found of either an opportunity or a threat? Sorry, yeah. an opportunity or a threat. I'll get there. So I looked at the opportunity for the company as Roku. Um, so basically back in 2008, Roku started, and then they 
they did some stuff with gaming and streaming stuff like video game consoles. They kind of started like that. Then they started making a TV in 2012 as their main supporter to watch Netflix on. So back then, streaming was not nearly as big as it is today. Everything was kind of on cable or on satellite, whatever you watch your TV on. Mm -hmm. And now I would say probably 70% of homes probably have a Roku TV, if not something else kind of like it. So they saw the opportunity to kind of bring all the streaming services together on one device. Like I know on my Roku at home, I got Netflix, Disney, Hulu, Prime, whatever it is, and it's all on that Roku and even if you don't have a TV, um, a Roku TV, they made the Roku like stick that you can put into your normal TV. Mm-hmm. And that was just another opportunity that they saw to get Roku into more places. Yeah. So, so let's uh, kind of dive into that. And uh, I'm just like, I promise that I'm not like fact checking, but I just want to make sure that, that we're talking about the same thing. Uh, there is a report that Roku has 51% of global global smart TV device market share. So it's in 51% of um, of TVs or other products sold. Gotcha. Um, so we, we set this up as an opportunity being an external favorable um, uh, factor. What is the external component of, uh, of this uh, opportunity that Roku had? So when they started, it said... I. Correction, in 2008, when they kind of went with Netflix for it, um, they did not know that everybody else was going to cause or have streaming services. They didn't know Hulu was going to be as big as it is, Disney+, Plus, Prime, mm-hmm. all the other ones that I mentioned, HBO, whatever it is. So they kind of started out with just that Netflix. So that was more of an internal, that would have been a strength. And then they went ahead with opportunities from other companies mm-hmm. getting bigger to have um, – that be as big of a brand as it is because it was only just Netflix. Probably not as many people are using Roku. So, so the can you specify then what's the what's the external part? Like Roku is a platform and they make some hardware. What's the external part? The other companies. The, the other companies. Yeah. Okay. So like Netflix opens them up for for streaming. Yeah. And that is something that Roku could take advantage of. Yes. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, Bryce, we'll just move on down the line. Uh, what you got? All righty. So uh, I went ahead and found that Disney recently went ahead and bought a $1.5 billion share in uh, Epic Games, which if anybody doesn't know Epic Games is Epic Games is the creator of Fortnite. Um, they also came out with a video as well with it uh, saying that basically you could create your own storyline and it, it'll be pretty much this open world uh, version of Disney. So, uh, so Disney is the the company that you are evaluating. Yes. So, uh, and Epic is a company that exists outside of of Disney. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is the what's the specific factor here that that is being described? Like, what's the what makes it something that Disney would want to take advantage of? The reason I found it as an, as a great opportunity for Disney is because they're they're pretty much solidified in the TV and movie streaming service. Um, and there's only one to two ways to really use your free time. You either play video games or you watch movies and TV. So why not take over the other market, which is video gaming? So is the is the external factor then the, an interest in, in video gaming? Yeah, it's, a, it's an it? interest in the in the gaming market. Okay. Uh, and whose interest in the gaming market? 
Disney's interest in the gaming market. So what what makes it so that Disney has an interest in the video gaming market? Because as I stated, I mean, it's kind of a whole new fan base for them. Um, they have one side of the fan base where everybody pretty much watches Disney movies, Disney mm-hmm. TV shows, but there are really no Disney video games where they make any money in the video gaming industry. They have mm-hmm. Spider-Man, but that's just a licensed game that's not really right. developed and made by them. But this is going to be a whole different type of thing. They're developing and working with Epic Games to develop this game, which I think creates a whole new fan base for them to reach out to. Gotcha. So so it is their customers being yes. in the video game space. Yes. So Disney has an interest because there are customers there that they could potentially mm-hmm. capture yes. and, and make more money yes. from. Yep. I'm on board with that. Uh, Naya, I'm actually going to come over to you uh, okay. so that we can smoothly pass the mic <laughs> over on the other side of the table. Naya, sure. what's, what is your example? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, my example is Amp Robotics. They've now uh, since rebranded as just Amp, but they started in 2014. Uh, the owner says uh, in an article that after visiting a recycling facility and seeing how demanding the conditions were and how challenging the working work environment was, he realized that the industry could be a compelling opportunity for robots. Um, He graduated with a PhD, so he was well capable of developing these robotics himself with a team. Um, And so they kind of took advantage of the recycling industry because um, it contributes nearly $117 billion to the U.S. economy. And the industry processes 130 million metric tons of valuable um, commodities annually. So clearly this is a big industry that Mm -hmm. um, needs more involvement. Um, So like I said, they they, uh, rebranded as AMP. They kind of took a step away from the robotics part of their industry. it could realize it could have a greater impact building greenfield facilities as opposed to like just fitting the AI enabled uh, robots mm. into these facilities. But the uh, robots that they came up along came up along uh, the way with they could go in and sort out like microplastics mm. from our trash, and so just really really impressive stuff. Um, they're focused on like reducing labor costs, increasing the resource recovery, increasing landfill diversion, and ensuring more reliable operations. So this is just a really great company who has taken advantage of the um, recycling industry, especially mm. at a time in 2014 when uh, we're starting to go more green, and a time today when a lot of our uh, policies and the government are focused on going more green. I think that they've just done a really great job of taking mm. advantage of that need. So our Let's first focus in on a, like, uh, this is really, really interesting story. I actually had no idea that this company Mm -hmm. was, was around. Um, So are you, are you focusing on AMP in 2014 or AMP in 2024? Kind of both, because I think that they have, um, they have found an advantage. Like in 2014, there was the, the need for robotics to go in and sort that way people were not. Um, in those challenging circumstances or the mm-hmm. work environments. Mm-hmm. And then in 2024, they rebranded because they're now taking advantage of the fact that we don't just need robotics. They've already established that, but now we actually need the facilities to process this. Mm. Um, and then we already have the robotics, so we can implement those later. But they're taking advantage of um, this just like multi-billion dollar industry and how they can uh, best like equip it. Yeah. Uh, I think like I... I Agree with all of those things. I, I think it might be more interesting to kind of focus on AMP of 2020. I'm assuming this is 2023 or, mm-hmm. or somewhere well, this more just happened recent. Very right? recently. So yeah. it's something I can definitely stay updated on. Yeah. Um, but the, very interesting. Yeah, like I'm, as we're talking, I'm just kind of flipping through this website, which is f- like 
fascinating. Yeah. I could just spend hours flipping back and forth <laughs> through this thing. Uh, but the, uh, they have made a, um, a robotic AI powered trash sorter mm-hmm. basically. And it's, uh, using sensors and cameras to, um, separate plastics from, uh, aluminum and, and, uh, other metals. And then instead of, uh, like a human need being the one who picks this thing apart, uh, it's, it's separating each material and, uh, and like it doesn't show the full thing, but it seems like it will then, uh, pack it and get it ready for whatever the next stage of, mm-hmm. of the value chain is. Um, so what is the uh, specific external factor that AMP is taking advantage of here? Um, I would say just like our need for more recycling companies and then also maybe um, the external factor of the workers who are working in the recycling industries who, mm-hmm. um, like I said, they have like very challenging working conditions. So he's wanting to replace yeah. that with robotics. Yeah. The uh, the headline here on uh on their website in their about us section is the power to solve waste, Mm -hmm. which really frames what they're, what they're working for. And I think reinforces what you, what you said. Yeah. um, And um, they released a statement that uh, they rebranded because they just don't want AMP um, to be a provider of robotic uh, robotics and artificial intelligence, but mm-hmm. they want to reflect like the evolution of a business and now um, deliver the fully automated facility scale sorting solutions um, that kind of use that same AI technology, but it's not solely based on the AI yeah. technology. Yeah, that's awesome. All right, uh, Sergio, you have the mic. I promise that we will come back to everybody else for some further questions. Sergio, you have the mic. Uh, what's your What's your story? Uh, so I, t- I looked up like um, Inter-Miami signing Messi for um, last year. And um, I looked into, like, how Messi was, like, a big, like, if anyone know, doesn't know Messi, he's, like, really, really, like, one of the best soccer players in the world right now, winning the World Cup, yeah, Champions League. Ever. Yeah. So um, a big thing I looked into is, like, how Messi, like, um, changed literally how um, tickets for games. So it used to be around, Inter-Miami used to be around 15 to 20 bucks, just a one of probably one of the best seats to get into the stadium. Um, but now once Messi started playing, it went like just the cheapest tickets would go from 300 to $400. And I know like an example of like how Messi, um, I guess like an external factor is like when um, he was, go- he was supposed to play in Chicago, but he got injured the game before. Mm-hmm. And like um, a lot of people wasted so much money, like four or 500. Um, I know my roommate, he, he had a, he wasted a, like almost a thousand dollars just to go watch him. <laughs> Next thing oh, you know, the man. game is canceled. Yeah. Well, not canceled, but like they say, it's not going, and he doesn't yeah. get the refund for three, four hundred dollars. Right. Like he, and at the he end, he did travel he, and everything. Yeah. He didn't even go at the end. Like he was just like, yeah. "What? Well, there's no point of going if Messi doesn't go." And I was just like, it was crazy because like now, like it was just Messi playing, and like I think a big solution they did now was like they signed different players that played. With Messi, so like mm-hmm. Suarez, this is really like ex uh, player that played in Barcelona, uh, Sergio Busquets, Jordi Alba, like he, those are were like other players that they um, signed. So the like even if Messi doesn't play, like people would still want to watch. But I mean, I think it was like crazy how like just like one person, like people want to see that one person go watch play. Yeah. So. So. Uh, 
I could talk about this story for days uh, before we, we get to the end of it. But um, so the what is the the extern? Who is the the company or thing being uh, evaluated here? I think it's just like I was wondering if like Messi would be the product mm. and stuff because like he's like without him or like because of him. Yeah. Like if he gets injured, no one would go watch. Like you can't watch him play. Yeah. If he's if like but if he's like healthy ready to play people would mm-hmm. go watch him you know it's like if it's a good product if it's a bad product like yeah so we uh you you could approach this in a couple of different ways you could look at it as inter miami and then sort messy into like all four of the different swap categories you could mm-hmm. um just look at uh messy at inter miami and then run the analysis slightly differently so if you are just looking at Messi, I, like I, this story gets way, way bigger than just yeah. his, his place at, at Inter. Uh, but if you, uh, if we are using, let's say Messi at uh, Inter Miami as a, uh, as the thing that's being evaluated, uh, what is either an opportunity or a threat? Like what's the external factor that you would, that you'd be describing here? Um, like you, you mentioned that there's, um, there was the, the, I think it was the friendly in Chicago. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Well, where he, he I was, think it was a season game, but like he was just injured. Like he was playing all the oh, games. That's right. it was like, he was playing every single game, you know? Um, and so when he, um, just, I guess he, I just found out he was injured and my roommate was so mad cause like yeah. he had to pay, he paid so much and then like, yeah. He, like I know, like some people from work that like paid so much, asked for days off when rarely they can get days off, just yeah. to go watch him and like tickets. Once they found out he was injured or not playing in the lineup, I think they tell you like three days before. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, if you're if you're lucky. Yeah. yeah, three days before that, like they put they put out the starting lineup for that game, and like they saw that Messi wasn't going to start because of injury. Mm-hmm. Like literally, all you see is tickets go down it's like 15 yeah. bucks i was laughing at my roommate because i was like is it really is it really worth like going paying 300 dollars to go watch him even though i am a messy fan i love him he's a amazing soccer Fantastic, player yeah. i just wouldn't go to chicago for it because like it's one it's <laughs> i don't like chicago it's too much like traffic everything i can't do it but like cincinnati i knew it was like 200 for like the cheapest tickets but like I can manage Cincinnati compared to Chicago and Chicago was like a hundred. I'm like, I don't yeah. think it's worth it. Like it's so much. And then he like tried to get the best tickets to see him. And yeah, I mean, I see the game no matter where I am. Like it's on TV. <laughs> it's still on the internet. It's on, yeah. it's like, it's going to be on the internet. It's going to be yeah. um, like wherever you stand, you're going to be able to watch him, yeah. you know? So, so with this example, are you saying Messi is the opportunity or the threat? Because with I can see how you could, with what you're saying, have it go either well, way. Well, it, it can go either way. You know, like he brings business in and like you don't never, you will never know when he's going to be a hundred percent or not, yeah. you know? Um, and that's where like, I guess the, in, the injuries talk about and stuff like that. But also like since he brings up so much market, the moment he gets injured, like people are going to hate because like, we paid so much for him not to even play. Or, like, yeah. let's say they don't want to play him. They don't want to start him. Like, people would get upset, you know. Even you would even see celebrities going to watch him. And, like, he plays, what, 10 minutes? I think it was, like, his first game, too. And it was, like, yeah. you would think he would start, you know. But at the end, I think he started, like, 
second half, not even it, second it half, like 10, 15 minutes yeah. before the, the game was over. Kind of like LeBron a few years ago. I don't like LeBron. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. I'm not I'm all the way from a mic. It's so hard for me to do it. Yeah. Yeah, that, that LeBron guy that no one's ever heard of. Yeah, yeah. sorry, sorry, I'm not. <laughs> so so in let, let's let's kind of follow that thread. So if if um if Messi is a like he's obviously a, a, a huge asset for whoever signs him. Whatever team he's on, there are going to be people who go uh to to watch him play. And like my Instagram feed was full of kids in pink shirts this last year. Like just uh messy everywhere. Um if if Messi is uh like he's on Inter, they're playing somewhere, people um want to go see him and he's not in the starting and not on the sub list. Who do the fans get mad at? I think it's the management or the I think it's mostly the management that like the head coaches and mm-hmm. stuff. Because yeah. like I I even know like the head coach, he used to be the head coach for the national team for uh, Mexico. Mm-hmm. So there was a big, big theory of saying like Mexico lost because of him. Mm-hmm. And I was like True, but it's also the players, you know, like he was, he was, he's Argentinian one. Mm. So like people were saying, um, I mean, the coach went to go say hi, handshake him. I mean, I think he used to be, they used to be coaches or something, or like he used to be the coach for him. Yeah. And so like now, like um, when he left Mexico, because Mexico's team was going super bad management. It's like super bad right now. And like when he moved in, transferred to um inter miami to be uh, coaching there they were like and he signed messi it was like oh he was doing that all for messi it's like um and they were like at the at one point it was like a bad thing because like yeah uh mexico could have made it to the fight like could have passed the qualifiers and um uh and one and like the other thing was like they were saying that because of mexico losing that game because argentina lost if, if you guys know like in the world cup he lost they lost their first game mm-hmm. you know and so everyone was super shocked and like for them to win back the second game against mexico mm-hmm. it's like they're saying mexico was the one who yeah. helped messi get back to the get back in the game and stuff like that yeah so so messi is an asset that is controlled to a point by inter miami so yeah. he he is a strength because they they paid for him. He's on their bench. He wears their shirt. Mm-hmm. Um, the can you phrase the threat in a way of like Inter cannot control his injuries. He is thirty six, which means that he is closer to death <laughs> than yeah. than the than the average soccer player. Like Jude Bellingham is what seventeen, eighteen, something like that. Like he is ancient as far as uh, as far as professional elite tier soccer goes what is the like can you phrase the threat behind having an asset that is so valuable like leo messi and then like yeah what's the what's the external thing that they can't control um so maybe like because of his injuries we don't we never know if he can yeah. play or not so right. it's not violent it's not like ooh, i don't know the right words to say it but i'm pretty mu- pretty much going in based off like we do, we will never know if messi will be able to play 100 percent in a mm-hmm. game yeah it's unpredictable which unpredictable. i think is a big threat 
Yeah, absolutely. And when, like, you know, Suarez coming into the team is a big deal. Um, David Beckham being your owner is yeah. a big deal. Like, th- there's a lot of celebrity draw that's happening around, but but Messi is like the sun in that universe. And when when you have a, a, an imbalance, a, an asset that is so big like that, when that sun goes out, then like nothing else can shine as brightly. Mm-hmm. And that is a like a huge, huge threat. Um, I, uh, it, I made the mistake in the first episode of, um, well, one, I talked too much, but then two, like we went on for way too long. Um, and we are approaching 25 minutes already. So I would like to uh, kind of, uh, wrap this up, but I want to do it by asking each of you um, if you have any insights or recommendations for other companies based on the opportunities or threats you identified. Like the ones we just talked about? Yes. Okay. And not specifically for for your companies, just like in general. You can, I guess you can't apply it to your your specific companies. Um, and I'm going to give the rest of you a couple of seconds to think about it, uh, and I will provide something for Sergio's story um, because you've done a lot of <laughs> you've done a lot of talking so far, which is great. I'm not I'm not sad about that. So um, the the thing that other organizations may need to recognize is that when you have a, a very, very valuable asset, whether it is a, a superstar like Messi or LeBron, or whether you are McDonald's and you are known for your McFlurries and that stupid machine is always broken. The, uh, if you have something that is a tremendous asset for you, it is always also a threat. And having something established to mitigate that is going to be important. So if if Messi's not playing, what is something that Inter could do to keep uh, their fans engaged and keep them willing to spend four, five, six hundred dollars on the ticket, even if he's not going to be on the field? I don't know what the answer to that is because he's got bodyguards the the size of small giants. But the uh, like. Is there something that that an organization could do to balance out that threat and be ready to mitigate it? I mean, he, they did bring other players like Suarez mm-hmm. and them, so yep. I think that was a big help for them, especially. Sure. Um, and then another thing what they did was um, I know I don't know I I don't know if it's still there, but they would bring the since Messi just won the Ballon d'Or. Mm-hmm. They they leave the trophy there so people can see mm-hmm. it. So like at the yeah. stadium and stuff, and like I mean it's all heavily bodyguard and stuff like that. But like, so I mean it's not, it's something pretty crazy to win because like he's won. I think this is eighth one. Yeah. So like for it's him very, to win, very well decorated. Yeah. So it's like so it's like next to the World Cup pretty much. And so yeah. um, I think that's something that they've been doing. It's pretty good right now. I don't know if it's still there, but I I know recently one of my friends went to all the way to Florida just to go see. And it's stuff, wild. and it's like, I mean, it's it's yeah. like pretty much going to what is it, um, Jerusalem and it's the Holy Grail mm-hmm. and stuff like that, right there, <laughs> yeah. like literally for soccer and stuff. And so I think they've been doing pretty good with that. Another thing, um, they've been doing um, was, um, I mean, I don't know if it's the income, but it's like they use Apple TV mm-hmm. and that for Major League Soccer for Major yeah. League Soccer now. And like, who would have known? Like, I didn't even know what Apple TV. Was. I mean, I had it, but like. On my phone, but like it's right. not like I used it. Like I never paid for it. It was just there because right. Apple provides yep. it there. But um, 
like now that like Messi has like a contract with them too, like he gets about fifty to sixty million dollars just like just by like having that. It's around that range. He didn't. I couldn't find like the specific one, but I knew like he was like part of like winning um, with Apple, and like that's something even for Apple. Like that's a benefit for them because like now it's like they're bringing in the soccer like. Now you're starting to see soccer almost a lot of places now. Like, um, it's starting to grow. Like how we talked about on Tuesday or Wednesday. Mm-hmm. So like, um, I just think it's crazy for them for them to like, um, like have like different things that uh, for like Inter Miami to have, um, and like for I think they were trying to sign Iniesta or something like to have the mm. old like they're saying that Inter Miami was going to be the old Barcelona pretty much like <laughs> the retired Barcelona people you know and like and I was like yeah, in my like imagine old Barcelona mm. here in the United States where it was small at first and now it's like people even from all around the world would come to watch just an Inter Miami game you know like some people I know mm. I I'm I promise you that there's probably people from Spain, Europe, they would just come to Florida or to wherever, yeah. like, to go watch a game, you know? Yeah. Uh, uh, just following up, so Messi's Miami contract includes um, a uh, a bunch of details, but he's he's getting 50 to $60 million per year from Inter. It doesn't look like he has a direct contract with, uh, with Apple TV, at least not that it's being... His Apple deal was people signing up. I and think then, it was that. And, and like, like anybody that signs up, he basically gets like he gets a cut, from, yeah. yeah, from from, which would make sense. He had that with Apple and Adidas. I'm pretty sure whenever he signed, Messi he signed a couple different. Well, also like, he gets almost his, like endorsement deals with yeah. the companies. And supposedly too, like he, um, even in that contract he had was um, uh, even after like he wants to retire, they'll have a team na- literally named after like something that for him, you know, like that is. Crazy, like he, because mm-hmm. I knew that I don't know if you knew, like the two contracts he had was get so much money at um, Saudi Arabia, I think it was like in that area, yeah. or come to the United States, and like everyone was like saying you should go to Saudi because uh, Ronaldo was there, you know, and for eh, money yeah. too, but like at the end it was like crazy because like wow, he showed out of everything he didn't want money, but I mean he's, he's still been <laughs> yeah, making gonna, bigs. He's, like, he's not doing bad. He's, he's not doing he, bad. Yeah. He's set for life. I mean, yeah. like, even his son's playing an intern, which is a big crazy, like that's, I'm yeah. pretty sure people still go watch that too. Like he's in the academy for that. Like, um, so it's, I think it's pretty cool. I, um, one day, one day when I have money to go <laughs> or when I have time, I'll go and watch yeah. him play. So let's let's follow from from that because you you were talking about the the Apple TV deal and and everything that went into it, um, Matt. With uh, with Roku as kind of your your example of um, the the opportunity existed for them to partner with all of the different streaming platforms, um, use Roku as kind of like the hub for it. Um, are there is there a lesson that other businesses could take away from from that experience? I think just the ability to adapt and grow. Mm-hmm. So like I was saying with Roku, they kind of started out as more of the hardware. Plus they had like a, I think they tried to do like a gaming console sort of thing. Yeah. And they realized, Hey, we have an opportunity in the market. We do this, but if we can perfect this, we are going to be a much better company for it. And I think that the adaptability of them and the realization, hey, this is not working. How can mm-hmm. we pivot to do something else? Mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of other companies could go with that. 
um, and just find different ways to grow, even if you have to pivot. Yeah. Uh, now I'm going to come to you next. Um, the uh, along the same lines, your example is like we started off as robotics and AI, but now we like the um, AMP's website now is AMP sortation. Mm-hmm. Like it's not robotics. It is just, it's all about sorting trash. Yeah. And that's kind of where I was going to go with this. I think that AMP robotics or now AMP, sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, they were really good at not being afraid to rebrand. I think yep. that a lot of companies, they start, um, early on with an idea and a vision of what they want to do. And then they're just very diehard for that vision and they don't think about changing it. But I think that AMP has, um, kind of reflected, uh, how the business and how the industry is going. And I think that they have taken advantage of that and realized that maybe their skill sets or not even just skill sets, but just their passions don't mm. lie just within robotics, but also maybe, um, the full huge sorting systems that we saw on their website, um, with the AI systems and still involving robotics, but not having that be their main focus. I think they have now identified that like sorting, um, and their ways of sorting are more effective than what they had previously. And so again, just yeah. like that ability, um, uh, to rebrand, I think is really uh, a good strength and opportunity mm. for them. So kind of following along the same lines, but just remaining adaptable mm-hmm. and, yeah. uh, and allowing the market to take you where, mm-hmm. where it is leading rather than trying to lead the market. Yeah. Yeah. In a way, because, um, if they would have kept it with amp robotics, we never know. Um, they could have fallen off, mm-hmm. gone down more yeah. in the recycling industry, but they're, I mean, leading the charge right now for, um, waste reduction, which I think yeah. is really great. Awesome. Bryce, last one. Um, Disney taking a, uh, was it one and a half percent stake? Is Yeah. You said one and a half billion. Yeah, then, it was a one and a half um, billion dollar. One and a half billion for a chunk <laughs> is what yeah <laughs> is what this article says. Yeah, thanks. Uh, thanks, Internet. Um, so a billion and a half into Epic, which is not a small company, um, in order to access this new market of potential customers. Um, what is the, the potential takeaway from that, uh, that example for another company, whether it's entertainment or trash collection? I don't know. I think the key takeaway to take away from it, um, I'm trying to think of how to word it. I think you you kind of mentioned that um, that the 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 you like Disney has a lock on TVs and movies. Yeah, that, that's what they're very very well known for. Uh, the um, the park aspect is huge. It is just a, a cash volcano every single year. Um, but it it kind of plays into the TVs and movies. Like Disney World doesn't exist without Disney, the intellectual property machine. So what um, what opportunity uh you said that it was trying to access new customers or maybe just a different kind of customers in a different kind of way um is there is there a takeaway for your generic company uh to to read in there if this is successful i guess would be the caveat there if this is successful i think the key takeaway is it from like you could even do it from like uh, Marvel, just all the different type of open world type movies. You could go ahead mm. and come to Epic Games and they have this brand new engine that could build an open world game like that. Yeah. So I think the key takeaway is is that for other companies like Disney that is already solidified in the TV and movie series, not why 
why not try to have people make their own stories with the characters that mm. you've already implied in your movies and TV yeah. shows yeah. put in the gaming world? Yeah, it's the, the, the market is like video games are becoming the new way to tell stories. Yes. Like video game quality is astounding. The storytelling is fantastic. Like they've, they've changed so much since yeah. uh, like even the mid 2000s. Um, and it's a, it's a way to engage a different market in a different way. And if you, I, I, I think to, to kind of build on what you were saying that if you are somebody who has a, a set product or um, like I'm going to pick on Adidas. Like if they were to expand their custom lineup to include not just shoes, but maybe you could uh, tell more stories with the clothing and kind of be like your own streetwear designer or something like that. Like there's, there's other opportunities or other ways for you to involve other slices of the market. If you are willing to part with whatever your equivalent of $1.5 billion is, and that's what, everybody just has that laying around. That's what, uh, Disney came out, kind of came out and said is their slogan for this new investment is to kind of create your own story, own story and indulge into the Disney world mm-hmm. that you fell in love with when you were a child. I think from a business aspect too with that, just with growing into the gaming industry, consistency is death. You're either growing as a company mm-hmm. or you're going down. True. And so they had already kind of had, like you said, movies and theme parks on lock. They have that set. Yeah, there's nothing really more they can do with that, and so mm. it was either they were going to slide down, or they go out and find another adventure, take the risk, and grow. I think that goes for every company. Yeah, I do kind of look at this like it's very comparable, almost like what uh, Apple's doing with the Vision Pro. They're kind of just they're testing the waters in a new yeah. market because they kind of have the resources too. Yeah, I mean when you're when you're Disney, uh, what's Disney's cash on hand right now? A lot. A lot. Seven. Point one nine two billion dollars, uh, which is a fifteen percent decline on from the year before. Sorry, guys. Uh, Apple cash on hand is seventy three billion dollars. Not bad. Yeah. So Not ten times bad. as much. <laughs> Not bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, if you have the cash, go burn it. Why not? Who cares? Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, thank you all for for your research uh, for coming and sharing. I was gonna hit a button. I think we might need to turn that back up. Do you want to try pushing it again? Well, that'll be really loud, won't it? No. This is a different one. That's a perfect way to end it right there. I didn't hear whatever that was. Oh, you didn't? <laughs> no. I heard it. Well, I will trust. I will trust that, that uh, you made the right choice. It was a little fairy. Oh. Yeah, it totally didn't come through my headphones. Uh, thanks, y'all. Uh, and uh, we will uh, have another round of these next week.